All right, how we doing, everybody? It is 6-18-19. I'm your host, Will Reddington, and welcome to another episode of Red Talk. Austin Bickett is here with me today to preview Thursday night's NBA draft and to break down the Anthony Davis trade. Then Shay Martin is going to join me for our weekly edition of Bachelorette Talk. Before we get started, our show is, of course, brought to you by O'Shea's Irish Pub. Come in after four for the $1 tacos and $5 margaritas on Tuesdays. All right, let's get it going. Austin, the finals just ended. If it would have went to Game 7, I don't even know how we would have had time to talk about this, but the draft, it's Thursday. It, it feels early. The NBA draft, at least to me, is by far the most entertaining of all the pro sports. For Even from picks 40 to 60, you're seeing guys that were awesome in college, guys that you know. What are you most excited about for this year's draft? Uh, yeah, like you said, this is definitely the best draft. I mean, one superstar player can change a team. We've seen that in the past, and we – as big college basketball fans usually know almost every single person that gets drafted, I would say. Um, you know, the, the top, the teams at the top are always exciting, but this year the top three are kind of locked in, so there's really no dramatics with that. So I'm going to show a little bias here. Most excited on how the Pistons can mess up this year. We're drafting at 15, and uh, yeah, it hasn't gone very well for us here recently. Back in the day, everybody knows about the, uh, the Darko Milicic over Melo, Wade, and Bosch. But more recently, we got 2010, Greg Monroe gets picked uh, two picks before Gordon Hayward, three picks before Paul George. Oh, nothing hurt there. And then uh, this one's a little more painful. 2011, my guy, Brandon Knight, gets drafted one pick before Kimba, three picks before Clay, and six picks before the reigning finals MVP, Kawhi. Oh, Brandon Knight? Yep. Uh, he didn't work out as well as those other guys. He made that shot against Ohio State, though. That was yeah, tough. Yeah, that was big time. Um, yeah, I was kind of happy when we drafted. I was like, oh, yeah, best player in the draft. We're good. No doubt. Then, uh, you know, it goes on. 2013, we draft uh, KCP over the Greek Freak. 2015, we grabbed Stanley Johnson, since traded, and a horrible NBA player. <laughs> we took him over Miles Turner and Devin Booker. Everybody's waiting for this last one, though. Hit me. Uh, we got one more before that one. Uh, oh, really? 2016, in between that, we took Henry Ellenson over no no big superstars, with some solid role players, you know. Chris LeVert, uh, Malik Beasley, Spicy P. He would have been cool to be on our team. And uh, 2017, Luke Kennard, one pick before Donovan Mitchell. Huh. Oh. Donovan so, uh, Mitchell. That guy's pretty good. Pistons picking 15th this year. Just whoever gets 16th, expect him to be a multi-time All-Star. I can't wait for the 16th pick now. Yeah. Uh, Luke Kennard is pretty solid, though. You can't hate that he, too much. He's just not a, you know, maybe Yeah, he's definitely not. And he's definitely no player. Donovan Mitchell. But he did he did improve a little bit this year. He looks like he's going to be a solid role player. So Yeah, as a Pistons fan, man, I guess you don't like the draft as much as no, it people is not, who just like the NBA. It hasn't been fun for quite some time now. Do you have any, like, good moments? Like, uh, we any? drafted Andre Drummond seventh. I mean, he's pretty good. He's pretty solid seventh overall pick. Yeah, I hear you. But that was, like, eight years ago. Let's get to 2019. Every single mock draft site you can find has the top three locked in. Everybody thinks slash knows that the Pelicans are taking Zion at one, the Grizzlies are taking John Morant at two, and R.J. Barrett at three to the Knicks. Could anything change there? Uh, do you think all three of those guys fit in with those specific teams and cities? Uh, nothing's changing unless one of them, God forbid, suffers an injury before Thursday, which they shouldn't even be risking at this point. I think it's set in stone. and They're head and shoulders the three best players in this draft, in my opinion. As far as them fitting in, I think Zion fits in anywhere. He's just that good. He's that special. And now with AD gone and Julius Randle just became a free agent, it looks like they're going to need him. So that's a great fit. Um, I hate that the Grizzlies have the second pick and are going to end up with 
John Morant, who's my favorite player in this draft. I think the Grizzlies are going to be fun. I, I just I don't. They have such that stigma about them that they're so slow and boring and grinded out. And I know a lot of those guys from the those playoff teams we we're used to aren't even in the on the team anymore. But that's just how I think about the Grizzlies when I think about them. Small market, not a lot of primetime games. I don't know. I just Jaw's so flashy and plays so fast, and he, it just doesn't seem like a Memphis Grizzly type player. Jaron Jackson is tough. Yeah, man. he's gonna. He's nice. I love that pairing. I think that those two players are really gonna be able to play off each other well, and uh, we'll see what they do with Conley. Because honestly, yeah. they can move Conley and get a lot younger, and maybe do a little bit more what the Pelicans are trying to do. Yeah, that was. I came out. Um, obviously, like two hours ago, like that Conley, they're aggressively shopping him. Jazz are the favorite to land him. Makes sense. Him and Moran are both true point guards. That doesn't really. Yeah, fit I think to it's me. it's time to move on from Conley. I'd like to see Conley go somewhere else, but he can't stay healthy right now, anyways. Yeah, I mean, I think Ja is going to play great wherever he goes to, but I I wish it was to a more, I guess, better team, bigger market type thing. Uh, as far as R.J. Barrett. He wants to be a Nick, and I know Knicks fans wanted Zion and KD and Anthony Davis and Kyrie and anyone else out there who's good at basketball. We're all rumored somewhere the Knicks, but I mean RJ Barrett. RJ Barrett is a nice consolation prize. I mean he was going to be the number one pick before the college basketball season happened. He still has all the potential in the world. Huge market. So yeah, I mean they're all all pretty good fits overall. I think RJ is going to fit really well in New York. I think he could use a situation where he goes in and kind of has the uh, freedom to take unlimited shots and to to play his game. That was the only thing I maybe disliked about him at Duke this year is he got into that mode where it was just a black hole when he got the ball and he's shooting like crazy and he had a lot of talent around him at times. But his Duke team might be better than the team he rolls out (laughs) with an opening night for the Knicks if they don't get a big-time free agent. I mean, you got to think somebody's going to end up there with all that money they have but I mean I don't know yeah just looking at it, it with with KD's injury happening yeah that, the Knicks might have been the biggest loser besides obviously outside of KD the Knicks might have been the biggest loser and all that yeah I, I really now it's it's tough to put puzzle pieces together that makes you feel like a big time star is going to go join RJ Barrett they they really had a tough month with you know KD getting hurt and, and the lottery going the way it did I mean yeah tough they put out there that they were interested in trading that number one pick possibly for Anthony Davis and I mean that that if they had the number one pick traded for Anthony Davis, got a big time free agent, they might be the title favorite. And now they're they could end up being like bottom five odds wise by the time the season starts. Huge bummer for the Knicks. Do you see any other guys that maybe should be included in this conversation? Not necessarily that they should be drafted in the top three over them, but that it should be like a a big four or a big five, somebody that's name belongs in this tier. Uh, like I said, I think. These three are above everyone else. If you mention anybody else, I think it has to be DeAndre Hunter, maybe Jarrett Culver, but Culver's more potential-based, I think, than the rest of these guys as where they're at now in their games. I think those are the next two. It's four or five, but I think these three are just better. Yeah, I agree. I think these two, there's no doubt that their games are going to translate to the NBA. Culver and Hunter infinitely approved their draft stock throughout the NCAA tournament, and they look like huge guys that can defend and can shoot. But those are two guys that I think if you put them on really, really good NBA teams, that they could help immediately, but that they could possibly struggle if they're on somebody bad, and if they're getting picked fourth or fifth, they're probably going to be on somebody bad. So we'll see how that goes. Zion to New Orleans, this is the one sure thing in this draft. I mean, there's no way that Zion Williamson doesn't go first overall. So let's talk about what that situation is going to be like. Huge trade on Saturday night. 
Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, Brandon Ingram, and the number four overall pick, and a bunch of other picks, go Every to— Every pick the Lakers have for the rest of our yeah, lives, they basically. Go, they go to the Pelicans <laughs> for Anthony Davis. So LeBron finally gets his wish, uh, what tore the Lakers apart down the stretch of the season. They have Davis now. That's going to be a fun team to watch. But let's talk about the Pelicans first. Their top eight looks like Lonzo Ball, Drew Holiday, Zion, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, Alfred Payton, Jaleel Okafor, Czech Jalo, and Solomon Hill. How successful can this team be? I don't think this team's going to win a lot of games. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. But I think they're definitely going to be fun to watch with the, all those young guys out there. I mean, once Ingram and Lonzo get their health issues in check, get back on the court, anytime Zion's on the court, it's much washed, I, I think. Uh, running the court like that, like crazy. They definitely need to add some shooters because there's not going to be very many shooters on that team as of now. But apparently they're already shopping the number four pick that they just got, and maybe Drew Holiday might be on the move too. So the roster still might change a little bit, but it's definitely going to be an interesting team to watch. I don't think they're going to make a lot of noise this year, but definitely probably one of the better young cores in the NBA. Watching Zion play basketball is always fun. Lonzo Ball, say what you will about his dad. It's not Father's Day anymore, so you can. Uh He's one of the best passers and one of the best defensive guards in the league. It's a blast to watch. The Pelicans are going to be fun, but exactly what you said, they're not going to win many games. I think that you'd be hard-pressed to find a team worse than them in the West right now. I, I think I can make an argument that literally every single team in the West that's not the Pelicans is better than the Pelicans. I mean, the Mavs have Doncic and Porzingis. The Suns have Booker and Aiton. And, I mean, all, all these teams just feel maybe a year or two ahead of what the Pelicans are doing, but... I don't know. It's hard to see New Orleans being very good this year, but it's easy to see them being good in two or three years. Uh, who do you think won this trade? So it, it sounds really lame, but I really think that both teams win this trade. It's hard to pick a winner of a trade before you, we see how everything plays out. Like if the Lakers don't end up winning a title or even making a run, you got to say the Pelicans. If the Pelicans mess up these draft picks or something like that, or these young guys don't work out, then it's the Lakers. But – I think it's as of right now, I think both teams won this trade. I mean, the Lakers gave up a ton. They risked their future, but at the same time, they have a 35 year old LeBron under contract for three more years. Like, why did you get LeBron if you're not going to go all in? You have to build a contender. You have to do it quick. He doesn't have a lot of years left. AD is a top five player in the world when he's healthy and when he's trying. And on the Pelicans' perspective, this guy just quit on your team, doesn't want to be there. He's going to walk away for absolutely nothing in a year, and you get the maximum return on investment in him. I, I think it's a win for both. I think you hit it exactly on the head. It, it The Lakers had to do something. They had to change basically everything because of that crash and burn situation that happened at the end of last season where LeBron pretty much through the media tried to trade his whole team for Anthony Davis. They get it done. LeBron's in win-now mode, especially after watching these finals where the Warriors seem so vulnerable, and now the NBA is kind of in this reset situation thanks to Clay and Katie's injuries and all these big-time free agency moves that we're supposed to see this summer. I mean, the Lakers were a team that just didn't make the playoffs, and now they are the odds-on title favorite. And they have four guys on their roster. They, mean, they can't even roll out a starting five right now. How crazy is that? But I think that's what they need is a blank sheet yeah. and kind of let LeBron fill it out and just get Magic Johnson away from a position of power on an NBA team. I, I think that that proved to be a huge problem. In the summer league last year before the season, he was talking about how they were you know, going to work smarter and not harder than everybody else and not surround LeBron with shooters and surround him with a bunch of athletes and defensive guys. And it was a big miss. I, I do think if the Lakers stay healthy that they're probably a four or a five seed 
in last year's playoffs, and maybe the narrative is different, but they didn't. They needed a reset, and their reset is freaking Anthony Davis. you got to love that. And the Pelicans, they're going to be a team for the next three or four years. This was a great move to get a lot, a lot for Anthony Davis. I don't know what they're going to do with that number four pick, but I don't know why they'd trade it. I don't know why they don't just draft a guy. Get, get somebody in their first year that's awesome to build your team around when yeah, you're going to be good in years. Also, for the um, the Lakers, it was huge. They got to hang on to Kuzma, who was probably the best one out of all these young guys. They get to hang on to him, too. You would expect Kuzma to be the one that stays, given that he was the one at the lottery. Had some luck the, for him the at king, the lottery. Uh, the king's hand yeah, pin. the hand of the king pin on there. I think he just took a different route than the rest of the guys and just... Yeah. Decided to be buddies with LeBron instead of uh, and, just yeah. instead of joining the revolt. But, <laughs> yeah. but also, Lonzo Ball was on LeBron's HBO show, The Shop, and you know that that kind of threw me a curveball. It's like, oh, they're they're probably boys, but I guess not. Lonzo does have the whole factor with his dad, and he's already yeah. back on ESPN a day later. Yeah, Lavar probably uh, did not do Lonzo any favors in staying in LA. I would assume. I really think this trade benefits both teams. I think that the Pelicans GM, though, is probably the MVP of the trade. It does seem like he got more than maybe you or I would have given him if we were the uh, Lakers GM. But For sure. Great job by him. Uh, basketball, hopefully it's big in New Orleans again. The attendance has been horrendous there. Uh, it's I think it's the lowest market in the NBA. You got to think Zion will help sell some tickets. Absolutely. And, and the Saints are always a top five ticket market team. And I know it's a different sport, but the places are right freaking next to each other. I mean, I, I don't know why they can't get people in the smoothie center. <laughs> you think it's because it's uh, the Smoothie King <laughs> I Center? Uh, I don't know. They probably have some good smoothies in there. I guarantee those smoothies <laughs> are probably fire. But I, I really think both these teams won this trade. Do you think Anthony Davis is the biggest star LeBron's ever played with? Yeah. I mean, it's him or D. Wade when he was in his prime, but yeah, I think, like I said, I think AD is a top five player in the world when he's healthy. He's the most maybe unique star in the league as far as everything he can do and how he can alter a game on both sides of the court. Uh, and he's still young. I mean, yeah. I hated how he quit on the Pelicans for sure, but I, I think his skills were on full showcase uh a year ago in the playoffs where oh, they yeah. swept the Blazers Dom, with basically just him and Drew Holiday out there and Rondo. I'd like to see him bring Rondo back. Rondo and yeah, Davis I'd, played really I well really together. I really want Rondo to resign with L.A. I think he will, too. Yeah, I, uh, I really like what the Lakers did, and I really like what the Pelicans did. I think it makes the NBA better for everybody. And, uh, yeah, just a perfect move. In, in terms of the biggest star, I mean – it, D. Wade was a little past his prime, I think, yeah, when LeBron that, yeah, got Yeah, that's there. why I'm giving the nod to AD. He was ready to be a number two. And it's it's weird. In today's NBA, I don't think that a team with Davis as the number one could could win a title. But I, I agree with the top five guy thing. It, it's weird. I think both of those things can coexist. Davis just needs more help, a great passer, a superstar on his team. Yeah, and he's never played. I mean, he had DeMarcus Cousins, who's obviously not what he used to be. And he, had, he has Drew Holiday, who's a really good player, but... He's never had, like, a star next to him. Oh, I mean, not even close, yeah. which is why you haven't seen the Pelicans have any form of, like, real, real success. And and now he's on the Lakers, who are now three and a half to one to win the NBA title with four, That's so crazy. four players on their roster. A lot of questions about how much cap room they're going to have. I mean, should the Lakers be title favorites? I don't think so at this point. I mean, you got to see how the rest of free agency shakes out. They don't even have a point guard on their roster right now. But uh, there's Kimba rumors, there's Kyrie rumors, there's um, everyone pretty much who 
is a free agent rumored to go to L.A. I think they could be the favorites when it's all said and done, but I think Vegas is just getting out ahead of this just in case they do get some more big-time players. They don't take a big big loss from anybody. And the Lakers have always been the most popular team in the NBA, so they got the most fans. The most People probably bet on the Lakers to win it all every year. They probably did last year. I mean, it's just Vegas getting ahead of it. It's a, it's a very good point, and I do think that – I don't hate that they're title favorites. I, I don't look at any other team and just love them more than I love. Yeah, especially with the, the KD injury. I mean, he might he probably won't even play next year. That and takes out one of the top three players in the league. 100%, and everybody's kind of out on the Rockets. Nobody knows what Kawhi oh, yeah. is going to do. I, I think that the Lakers being title favorites is very reasonable, and I also just went through an entire postseason without LeBron. In this social media era, how many times did we see just – LeBron just dominating in the 2018 playoffs, retweeted on our timeline or saw on Instagram what he just did to the Raptors and what he did to everybody else. Solo mission out there. On probably the worst team he's ever, that's ever been on the finals. I mean, who's the second best player? George Hill? Yeah, the only team that might have been worse is the other team that he took in 07 when the second best player was Zildjurnas Ilgauskas or Booby Gibson. Or Mo Williams. Yeah, I mean, take your pick. Yeah, Mo Williams, but, uh, Mo Williams was a dog. About LeBron missing the playoffs. That dude said LeBron misses the playoffs in a whole different country wins the NBA Finals. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I, I think LeBron's ready to get back, though. And yeah, I, I, we need him back. The playoffs are so much better with LeBron. Yeah, I, I'm I'm saying it right now. There is a 0% chance the Lakers miss the playoffs. I mean, yeah. It's unless, a bold call. Unless some, some injuries that we don't want to happen. but I'm still saying 0%. You're not missing the playoffs with two of the top five players in the world? No, it's not happening. Who do you think the Lakers need to sign, though, to put them over the top? Well, I got to get a point guard. I, don't, I think Kemba would honestly work out better than Kyrie. I know Kyrie and LeBron have played together. I know they have more success. I think Kyrie may be a better basketball player than Kemba. I don't know. I just feel like all this this whole year with the Celtics made me look at Kyrie so differently than I have in the past. That that should probably exist for Anthony Davis too. Then you know it does, but I don't because yeah, at least Kyrie still went to the stuff. But Kyrie was the guy who's saying I want to be the guy. He chose to leave LeBron to go be the guy, and then he gets in Boston. He is the guy, and it's like he has no clue how to handle it, what to do. I don't know. I think either one would be a great signing. Obviously, they're both all stars. But they got to get a point guard, Kemba or Kyrie, and then they need to do what successful LeBron teams have had in the past. They got to surround him with shooters. Those Miami Heat teams and the Cavs teams just had a ton of shooters coming off the bench. I mean, you can't win in the NBA if you can't shoot the three at this day and age. For sure, and especially with the way teams guard LeBron, they got to have somebody on the ball. They got to have guys at the midline like crazy. All eyes are on LeBron. You have to make teams pay for that and the Lakers couldn't do that because he's just constantly kicking out to Rajon Rondo and Lance Stevenson for threes and a lot of those just don't go in Josh Hart and he can't make a three man I hope I hope Lance is back on this team too I need some more air guitars from Lance in the Staples Center I could do without Lance Stevenson (laughs) being on the best team in the NBA and and I'm gonna go ahead and let you know that I I don't think I don't think he is either I think Rondo will be back and I think um, JaVale McGee might be back I think LeBron just hated all of that and I think he knows that Rajon Rondo and JaVale McGee can help his team (laughs) but not a not Lance (laughs) not Lance for sure I, I, I want Kyrie to come to LA, honestly, I'd love to see him run it back. I think that would be cool. Kimba would also be awesome, though. Kimba, Kimba is already talking about taking this deal to stay in Charlotte, less money, which I don't, I don't get at all. But I mean, yeah. loyalty's cool, I guess. It'd be neat to see just him compete. Yeah, literally, hit, I just him want play to, in the playoffs. I don't even care if Kimba goes to the Lakers. I just want him to go to a different team. He's that, one of the 
best March Madness players of our entire lives. And, I mean, not everyday NBA fans probably watch him play, like, what, one, two times a year? Yeah, maybe. maybe. zero. If, yeah. Yeah, and, and that just sucks. I haven't, he, I haven't even seen many Hornets games since Kimba's been in the league. He, he's so good. I would love to see him on TV. But I think worst-case scenario for the Lakers is, is Jimmy Butler, and I, and I don't think that that's too bad of a thing. If you roll out Rondo and you let him distribute throughout your offense and you have Butler, LeBron, and Anthony Davis out there, it's a damn good team. Jimmy Butler is just so hard to predict anything because he won't. he doesn't give the media anything. Everything he says just confuses you. Seems like he hasn't been happy anywhere besides maybe Chicago when he was young. I have literally no clue what Jimmy Butler's going to do. And he's openly said before that he's not a LeBron guy. He's not a LeBron yeah. fan. So it, it would be weird. I, I just think that's worst-case scenario. I think they're going to go after Kawhi. They're going after everybody. There's no chance Kawhi goes there. I really I really don't think so. And No, I, no, I can't see Kawhi teaming up with LeBron, especially after just winning the finals. Kawhi's just too fun of a guy. Yeah. He's not going to make the NBA not fun. I think, I think Kawhi's going back to Toronto for at least one more year. That'd be cool. How could he not? I mean, yeah, that parade you, looks so fun today. Yeah. How do you not win? How do you win it all with your squad and then just leave after one year? It's a whole country. Yeah. Whole country. Loves he's it. literally Canada's biggest hero right now. 100%. I mean, you'd be hard pressed to find another one that's not on the Raptors for sure. <laughs> uh, back to the draft, though. Lakers, can't wait to watch them. Pelicans, can't wait to watch them. Possibly the best and the worst teams in the West. <laughs> NBA season next year is going to be fun. We'll get back to the draft. The top 10. It, Four through ten, depending on which draft site you look at, it's all very different. I want to know who you think the best player is outside of that big three that's locked into those first three spots. I talked about Culver and Hunter. I think Hunter is the best right now, but I'm going to go with somebody else, Kobe White. Uh, this dude, He's so good. He's so fun to watch. He only got better and better as the year went on. Uh, the NBA comparison I saw on the mock drafts I was looking at was Jamal Murray, who's very solid. Uh, I think he... Uh, I think it's a decent comparison. I saw him going to the Suns at six, which would be awesome. Booker desperately needs a running mate, but I think they're getting D'Angelo Russell, so that might not happen. Oh, wow. You get some cool info. I, it's not really info. It's kind of just a hunch. Him and they, say, they already said if they bring Kyrie in, they're not keeping D'Lo. Yeah, they literally can't. D'Lo and Booker, best friends. Let's make it happen. Interesting. Uh, that'd be fun. I, I'm going with Cam Reddish here, though. I think people are really sleeping on Cam Reddish. He's... A 6'9 guy who, maybe this is a little personal bias, but in a completely sold out, dressed in black Yum Center, made so many threes in a row, just from forever away with people right in his face. They were down 22, and then they weren't in two seconds. Absolutely ruined maybe an entire month of my life, Cam Reddish did. And I, I tell you what, I, I really think this guy is awesome. I, I think he definitely drifted at times in this Duke offense, but... I mean, that's easy to do. The goal of Duke's offense was to have Zion have the ball and just bulldoze everybody and dunk. And R.J. Barrett took all the other shots. There just wasn't a lot of time for Cam Reddish. But when he had his moments where he got hot and got his shots, he made a count. And I think that him going to a team that has some talent, like the Suns or the Hawks, especially the Hawks, with a ball distributor like Trey Young, I think that that could be a really good fit for him, and he could really help out a team. He is huge. He is so tall in yeah, person. Crazy. And he just strokes the three ball. I think he's built for the modern NBA. And I think all year he's he, he was kind of locked in at that four spot, and that was kind of the narrative on Duke. Duke has three of the top four picks on the same team. And he's really drifted. He's, he's fallen down to the eight to ten range. I think you're getting a lot from Cam Reddish. I want to talk to you about your cats. 
I don't think we're going to see any cards drafted this year in the draft. That's, that's what people are telling me. So we'll, we'll talk about UK a little bit. Most mock drafts have all three Kentucky players going in between 10 and 20, 25. I want to know, who do you think goes first between Tyler Harrow, P.J. Washington, and Keldon Johnson? I think it's definitely P.J. And you asked me this in the middle of the season, I probably would have said Keldon. But P.J. improved so much over the course of the year. Coming back for his sophomore year really helped him tremendously. I follow all these Kentucky mocks and all this NBA stuff, and they're all saying P.J. is impressing in all his workouts, all his combine stuff. I think he goes to the Hornets around 12. Jordan loves these Kentucky players. He's already drafted Malik Monk. Michael Kidd Gilchrist, he signed Aaron Harrison. And it's going great. Yeah, he he doesn't he doesn't usually pick the ones that work out, but he does love the Cats. I think PJ can be kind of a Draymond Green type player, do it all, defend. He needs to obviously improve his ball handling and stuff to fit the Draymond Green mold. But I think PJ is gonna be really good in the NBA, very solid role player. He's got that high motor, he can do basically everything. And I think he creeps into the uh the back end of the lottery. I uh, I can see it. Everywhere on him kind of has him 12 to 18 ish. I, I really personally, I think that I would go with Harrow and Keldon Johnson over PJ in terms of NBA potential. Both those guys are tall. Both of them can defend. Both of them can shoot the three. I just think there's a lot more questions about PJ Washington's height, his ball handling, things like that. Not that he won't be successful. I just like the other two more. Where do you see them all landing? And what's your dream scenario for any one of those players? Yeah, like you said about PJ, it's weird because of his height. He doesn't really he's not big enough to be a power forward and he's not really athletic enough to be a small forward, I guess. He doesn't have the ball handling skills. So that'll probably be interesting to watch. Minor red flags. Yeah. He's gonna be probably an undersized four, I would say. Um, so I said I liked PJ going to the Hornets at twelve. I'm not gonna call which one's which, but I like one of them going to the Celtics at fourteen. I know they've worked out both of them. I'm going to say, if I had to pick one, Harrow goes 14 to Celtics, and the Pistons grab Keldon at 15. Back-to-back, I know it's not going to happen because the Pistons have never made a pick that I like in my life. But the Pistons need, more than anything, a shooter and a small forward. We have we are the worst three-point shooting team in the NBA. Not an opinion. It's a fact. It's statistical fact. Um yeah, and dream scenario, I would love that for both reasons. I get one on my favorite team, and the Celtics are a talented team that usually don't have picking that high in the draft, so these guys would get to go in and compete right away for a playoff spot, so that'd be cool. Yeah, I, I think that either of them going to the Celtics would be awesome. I had yeah. that as well, because the Celtics, while they have been a team that's absolutely overloaded with guards, since even Isaiah Thomas was there, it seems like they have five guards that need minutes on an NBA team. That's going to shake up a little bit. It looks like Kyrie's gone. It looks like Terry Rozier is for sure gone. And suddenly they're going to need guards. And I think Tyler Harrow is somebody that can really benefit on being on a good team, being a fifth option where he can knock down threes and get to the basket against maybe a defender who isn't great. Yeah, Garden. Yeah, like the worst defender on the court. (laughs) Yeah, I think that Harrow can really benefit there. There's no doubt that watching him, I mean, you leave him open for, if he's open for three, he's knocking it down. Book it every time. Keldon, I, I think Keldon might be my favorite one of the three of them in terms of potential. I mean, he's six foot six. I'd love to see him end up on a team like the Magic that needs some guards that have some shots to give up. I think Keldon could benefit from the opposite, being on a team where he doesn't have anything holding him back and he has unlimited offensive freedom. 
I really think he needs those shots. He uses his body to get to the rim and finish better than maybe everybody in this draft outside of maybe three to five people that are going to get drafted in front of him. I think people are sleeping on Keldon Johnson. I really think he's going to be a solid player in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to convince me. I love Keldon. I wish he would have been more aggressive at times at Kentucky, but oh well. Let's talk about the late first round. Let's get out of the lottery. Who's going to be drafted between 20 to 30 that you see making an immediate impact in the NBA? So this might be a cop-out because he might go like 18, 19. But Bol Bol, love him. He was my favorite player in the country before he got hurt. Yeah, I figigured you were going to say Bol Bol. Austin is a huge, huge Bol, Bol, Bol Bol guy. I, I don't understand it. Favorite Hilton. player in the country before he got hurt. Dude is a freak of nature. 7'2". He can shoot. Always exciting. He's got a long way to go. He's got to put some weight on. He's literally 208 pounds. Seven foot two, 208 pounds. That is, doesn't even sound healthy. Doesn't sound Probably healthy. Probably why he got hurt. Uh, I mean, having a big dude that can stretch the floor is almost a must these days with the way the, the, way the NBA has gone where everyone on the floor has to be able to shoot threes. Uh, you know, he's got, he's got his dad, his dad's NBA legacy, Manute Bowl, just And he'd probably be going a lot higher if he never would have got hurt, so. I totally agree. This is my pick. The videos that you see of Bull Bull training in your face three just dribbles up on somebody like they're remarkable. It makes you think they're fake. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it it doesn't seem fair. Another guy. I hope I'm not stealing this from you. um, Just Carson Edwards, absolute animal. I mean, everybody saw what he did in the NCAA tournament. I mean. NBA is always going to need people that can just go out there and get buckets. Yeah, and he's that's what he does. The reason you see him later is because he's undersized, six yeah. foot. But that guy can put the ball in the basket, especially if he ends up on a good team. I mean, he's the kind of guy I want to see get minutes and get a chance, and not just get thrown into the G League somewhere too. So maybe not too good of a team that has too many guards. But Carson Edwards definitely has a lot of potential. We'll see about your guy, Bull Bull. I like Brandon Clark here. I mean, he's been sliding in mock drafts ever since the NCAA tournament, which doesn't make a ton of sense to me. He was awesome in the NCAA tournament. Double-double machine. The NBA is definitely moving away from that classic power forward center that doesn't have much of an outside game. And he is only six foot eight, but his combine numbers were off the charts. His vertical was great. All those drills. I mean, he, he performed well. He was a top three guy when it comes to power forwards and centers. And I think that if he's on a team where he can go out there and do all the little things, he could very much be Montrez Harrell-ish for somebody. Love Brandon Clark late in the draft. Give me three second round sleepers that you like. First, I'm going to stick on this Oregon team. Kenny Wooten. What? Wait, what's the, what's you up with you in Oregon? Big Oregon guy. Weren't they like a 12 seed? Yeah, they almost went to the Final Four. Yeah, they almost went to the Final Four. Uh, sure. Kenny Wooden, overnight star from the NCAA tournament run. Uh, no one was really talking about him before. He's an athletic freak, defensive stopper. Volleyball blocks. But yeah, I mean, obviously he has to develop a post game, an offensive game, because he really doesn't have any kind of just dunks. or. But, I mean, the anybody that can jump like that and – can block shots like that and rebound like that is going to help a team. I don't think he's going to be a star, but he could definitely be a solid role player. Next, I got Admiral Schofield, Tennessee. He's got to get a little better jump shot, but he's built like a freak. He does everything well. He always seems to make the big shots. And Definitely didn't foul Carson Edwards in the corner either. Yeah, I mean, you got to take that into account when you're drafting him. No doubt. Uh, last guy, I got to give him a shout-out. My guy all last season, Mariel Shayok, Iowa State, bucket getter. I mean, are you kidding me? <laughs> Big fan of him. <laughs> I didn't see him in any mock draft. He was going uh, 48th in the one I saw. Cool. Yeah, we'll, we'll wait for that. Austin loves Iowa State. Uh, 
I completely unbiasedly have both the LSU guys. Of course. Uh, Nas Reed and Tremont Waters could not be more opposites when it comes to size and speed on these two guys. But Nas Reed is seven foot one, 19 year old beast, unlimited potential, great post moves, right and left hand. Strokes the three, too. I mean, Nas Reed, what a team could do with him is limitless. And, and I really feel like he's going to help somebody. And he's an early second-round guy in most drafts. I think he should be late first round. Tremont Waters, he was one of the best stop like shooters at the combine in terms of those three-point shooting drills. I mean, that was maybe the only question people had on him. He made so many big shots late in games for the LSU Tigers. He's got the clutch gene. He kind of reminds me of this guy named Allen Iverson. Hard to see him not being successful in the NBA. It's possible he's very, very undersized, as I said, but his speed and agility, it's all there. He's a fantastic passer. He's a great defender. I love Tremont Waters. I hope he gets a shot. Jordan Bone from Tennessee, he was the fastest guy at the combine he by, by a lot. He absolutely murdered Kentucky. I mean, he, he murdered everybody at the combine. He Fantastic. Every, those agility drills, the the forty time, the three court, uh, three quarter court running. I mean, the guy was fantastic. Jordan Bone, he helped his stock more than anybody else at the NBA draft combine. Look for him to get picked around fortieth, fiftieth. Help a team immediately. Cam Johnson from North Carolina as well, transferred Sniper. from Pittsburgh out of a really bad situation. Six foot eight, strokes the three ball. Going to be a mid late second round pick. You can't put a price on those guys that have size and speed, length, and can defend and can shoot to three. That just seems like what you want in an NBA player. Uh, what about our guy Taco Fall? How you feel about him? So that leads me to my next question. <laughs> Whose name is going to get called Thursday night that makes you just say WTF? Just absolutely shocked. What you saying about Taco Fall? Uh, yeah, I think that. <laughs> I think if you watch Taco Fall play basketball, he can barely move. It out would there. surprise you that he would succeed in the NBA. He's yeah. seven foot six. That's tall. It's not small. His first name's Taco. That's a factor. I think it's reasonable to assume that it would be pretty shocking if he got drafted on Thursday night. <laughs> um, so this guy is going to get drafted in the lottery, but probably the casual fan is not going to know him. I don't even know how to pronounce his name. Sakel. Dianbue, I don't know if that's right. It's probably not. He's going to be a lottery pick. Not many people talking about him. He's 6'9 power forward from France. He doesn't have the hype that Luca or Porzingis have had the past few years. But these Euro players, I don't know. They're either – it seems like they're all-stars or immediate busts, and there's no in-between. Yep, I could not there's, agree more with they're that. They're never just like a solid player. They're either – Luka Doncic, pretty yeah. cool. Saw him live, awesome experience. Yeah. Mario Hazonia, not great. Yeah, Dragon Bender, he went, what, like third or fourth overall? He's not very good. Sons love those guys. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know if this guy's going to be good. I really have no clue. I mean, I watched his highlights, but those highlights, every Euro player highlights you watch kind of look exactly the same. Look like they're playing in a church league. I mean, I, I have no clue. <laughs> but he's going to go in the lottery, and it's going to make me say WTF because I have no clue about this guy. Yeah, Uh I'm going to think the same thing. No matter how good that guy ends up being, whoever drafts him, I'm going to say, oh, that's a big miss. And the, the last one was Luka, and he was an all-star, so you just got to think, odds-wise, this guy's probably going to suck. They can't, they can't all be good. Facts. Hard, hard to be mad at that opinion. <laughs> uh, another guy worth mentioning here is uh, maybe the bane of Louisville sports existence. It'd be Mr. Brian Bowen. 
Brian Bowen was allegedly paid around a hundred grand allegedly. to play for the cards. A lot of question marks, a lot of holes in the story. Don't actually know that that happened, but Brian Bowen is kind of slated to get drafted in between 50 to 60 so cards fans <laughs> cards fans just, fingers crossed just look out for that if you look up at your draft and maybe you got a couple other things on and you're like why are they talking about Louisville scandal right now let it go <laughs> he's gonna go 60th overall so they can talk about it's it probably because brian bowen's getting drafted uh he's the guy with the really large blonde hair he looked pretty good at the combine i can't lie to you he, <laughs> You made some nice baskets, some nice back cuts. Guy's got some length. Don't know if we allegedly should have paid him $100,000, but just don't be shocked if you see his name called. Which team is going to make the most improvement Thursday night, and who's a team that's going to do the opposite? For improvement, I mean, as of right now, you almost have to say the Pelicans, right? I mean, they're getting the most hype first overall pick in Zion since maybe LeBron, maybe Anthony Davis, whoever, but... I mean, they also, and as of now, they have the fourth pick, too. So, I mean, there's still going to be a ton of good players on the board. You think they're getting Zion, maybe Jarrett Culver, DeAndre Hunter. Nobody else in this draft is getting two top five players, and nobody else is getting somebody like Zion. So, I go with the Pelicans for most improved. Easy answer. The Pelicans absolutely are going to improve the most. I'm going to go with the Hawks, though, to just give a different answer. The Hawks have picks eight and ten in this draft. I thought maybe they'd package those for somebody because they're like one or two players. I don't think people realize how close this Hawks team is to being good. One of the funnest NBA league pass teams there are out there. Trey Young, Collins, Kevin Huerter, absolute marksman, redheaded sniper. Uh, this team's got a nice young core, and Trey Young's going to be good for years. He absolutely silenced any doubters this past season with how much his game improved from game one to game 82. You have to love where the Hawks are at, even if they do package them for a trade, just having picks eight and ten in a draft. Yeah, I mean, it's awesome. Yeah. You know what's going to be crazy in 20 years when they have this 30 for 30 that Luka and Trey Young got traded for each other, and it looks like they're both going to be awesome for the next 20 years. Yeah, it, it does, but it it does lead me to the uh, team that's not going to improve much, and that's the Mavericks. In this trade, there was a protected pick that the Mavericks were going to send the Hawks, and if the Mavs in the lottery would have drawn a pick in the top six, the Mavs would have a draft pick. Inside the top six, they're going to get a player that could be really, really awesome. But instead, they don't have good lottery luck, and now the Hawks get their pick. So the Mavs literally don't have a first-round pick. Can't after, improve if you don't have one. Yeah, after not exactly <laughs> having a great year last year. I know the fans probably loved it. I mean, the Dirk farewell tour, the yeah. holy – we have Luka Doncic on our team, but uh, not an exciting draft night for the Mavs, given that they uh, don't that's have how, a first-round pick. That's the situation the Pistons were in last year. They gave up their first for the Blake Griffin trade, and Blake Griffin's probably the best player we've had in 10 years, but still suck not having a pick. Yeah, I, I think you're probably taking Blake Griffin over yeah. whoever you— We would have messed. We would have drafted somebody horrible, so it doesn't really matter. Um, I'm not going to go with a team that doesn't have a pick. I didn't know that was a rule, so I'm going to go with a team that does have a pick. This might be just kind of a gut feeling, but I feel like the Bulls are about to do something really stupid. Maybe draft that 6'9 power forward from France I was just talking about. So the Bulls, they kind of assumed they were going to be in the top three or four, maybe have the first overall pick. Instead, the ping pong balls are just absolutely cruel to them. They drop down to seven, and all the guys they were targeting before the lottery are going to be long gone by then. I just feel like they're going to reach for somebody that fits a team need rather than the best available players at the time. But that's, uh, I mean, who knows? Maybe I really hope it's that guy from France. 
<laughs> Man, the Bulls, it feels like the Bulls just have nothing. I know that's not true. Their, their GM and ownership and all that is just a mess. It's absolute dumpster fire with, with the coach situation and the leadership committee. And The Bulls possibly could have had the worst season last year of any team. And, uh, yeah, they don't even have a pick and in the top five. Seventh, that's that's brutal. And they'll even if they were in the top five, I mean, they'd have to find a way to blow it. That's yeah, how it yeah, feels with this you team. Think. Yeah, hard to see the Bulls get much better, but hey, at least they have a pick, and they at least need, they have a chance. To blow they it. need basically everything. So as long as they don't draft somebody that's an absolute bust, they they might get a little better. You know? Yeah, Bulls team needs everything, all, <laughs> all, all the above. Austin, it was a pleasure. Hey, thanks, man. Before we get started on the Bachelorette portion of our podcast, if everybody could go check out my pinned tweet on Twitter, which is at twitter.com slash willreddington4, there's a link posted on there where you can go vote for one of my best friends, Lexi Browning, to meet her idol, Taylor Swift. She's the biggest Taylor Swift fan ever, and I don't think there's much debate about that. She's recently been diagnosed with stage 4 alveolar soft part sarcoma which is a rare form of cancer that only affects around 80 people in the United States a year. She is somebody that has made every second of my life more enjoyable, so please take a second out of yours and go vote for Lexi. You can vote up to 10 times a day, and we could use every single one. Thank you all for listening to Red Talk, and thank you all for supporting one of my best friends. All right, let's get it going. Shay, another Bachelorette evening come and gone. How many weeks do we have left now? I hope not many. I think six. Has six weeks left? We're going off last season because I know nothing about the Bachelorette. Gotcha. So So we're halfway done. Halfway there. Let's get straight into the takeaways because, I mean, this is just – I have to be honest and say this show is just not as captivating as it was in the beginning. Uh, The previews are violently deceiving. Oh, I mean, just – I was – I look for excitement every episode, and then it starts, and I'm like, I got lied to again. I mean, whoever makes these previews should just be thrown in jail. And it's you're given it was false advertisement, it, blatant false advertisement on ABC National they're, Network. They're just letting it happen. Everything I've seen online said this was the worst episode of The Bachelorette or Bachelor ever. I I can't really speak on that because out of the we ones I've seen, it was. Yeah, we haven't really watched all the seasons, but tonight wasn't great. Not going out on a limb and saying that. Let's just jump into the takeaways. Shay, what's your first takeaway from this episode? That'd be at the beginning of the episode with uh, old Luke P. The It starts out him finishing up his one-on-one from last week's episode. And uh, Hannah doesn't give him the rose. She says, hey, buddy, it's, uh, it's time to hit the road. Luke P's taking his stroll out, and he's like, you know what? I'm not done. Stops. Nah, complete 180. Jordan Belfort, I ain't leaving. Love it. Comes right back in, says his words. Hannah's like, "All right, I fee." This was relatively entertaining too. I mean, oh, not, I, I did enjoy this. This yeah. was this was good TV. Not necessarily as much as past episodes have been uh, to the point where we were like, "Yeah, dude, let's do a podcast segment on this." But you know, I, I was I was watching it. I wasn't on my phone, so yeah. He, I mean, he came back powerful. You know, Hannah's like, "I'm not giving you the rose tonight." But you're staying with the boys, and tomorrow come rose ceremony time, we'll we'll see what's up. And Luke P always does well staying with the boys. Yeah, big big uh, big house guy. He loves the house. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I, I got Luke P. You know, basically the same thing. I mean, we're still doing this solo date. Doesn't get a rose. Walks away. Convinces her to to let him stay. 
he's only in here for dramatic purposes. And it's like, I, I, what, what is this audience like? Is this, is this supposed to be a legit show? Is there somebody like this every single season, I wonder, that kind of just provides the dramatic flair? You would think. I mean, it makes sense because you're going to need somebody for the boring episodes like this one to keep the people interested. Yeah, especially that's kind of the end of my first takeaway is that what are we doing spending this much time on this when we just know Tyler C is going to win? But we got to have a show. You know, we can't just not have any type of action or oh, drama, suspense. Because I, mean, I could have told you after week one, Tyler C wins. You know, that's. <laughs> yeah, and it honestly, it took me a while, Shay. I mean, it took me till what, the end of week two to realize Tyler C is going to win? Yeah, that so, was a long time. Yeah, I mean, this this guy, Tyler C, is just, I mean, he's built for this. And I, I the only way I see him not winning is just if Hannah realizes that he, he kind of maybe thinks slash knows that he can do better than her. And her picking him doesn't necessarily give her the best chance of longevity in a relationship. Oh, because he knows he could say he doesn't win. Would he not be the best bachelor of all time? Maybe the, the dang king. I don't, I don't know that he would be the best bachelor of all time because we're new to this whole thing. But, I mean— Strong if, chance. If he does win and he just told Hannah after two months, hey, this isn't working out, sorry— I mean, they still should just make him the bachelor. Oh, I'd be excited. I'd watch that. I mean, I'd I would watch that hard. Yeah, yeah. It, it's tough to imagine us continuing these segments after what this season is doing to us, but we're we're halfway there. I mean, it, it could improve. Things do improve sometimes. Sometimes. Shay, what's your second takeaway from this just brutal, brutal episode? Uh, that's Tyler C. I mean, we were just talking about him, but Tyler C reconciling the guys, letting everyone know, like, hey, Hannah's upset, and it's all on us. Clearly he knows how to make a good impression, and he put his boys down. He's like, hey, Dad's talking. We're going to fix this and make Hannah's life a lot better than I mean, he's is. a former quarterback. You don't think he knows how to command a huddle? This guy knows what he's doing. He knows how to get guys to do one thing at a successful rate. I mean, the guy played for Wake Forest. D1 quarterback. Did you see his stats, though? No, they weren't down. great. They weren't great? They weren't great. I saw one stat line. He played against Florida State. Three for nine. Three picks. You know. Florida State's pretty good, though. Oh, that's what I said. I mean, you know. And who's he got out there to throw to on Wake Forest? Yeah, I, and I would really love to see one of these other guys go out there and try to tear up Florida State Seminoles defense. They've been tough the last couple of years, I'll tell you that. Yeah, I mean, a constant national championship threat playing in the College World Series right now. Just sports university, just pretty great. So I'm not going to hold that against him because he didn't play well there. But I am going to hold it against the rest of the house that they couldn't do what he did. They couldn't go three for nine against Florida State, and they couldn't command a huddle. And oh, they wouldn't sniff the field. They definitely don't look like they're favorites to win this show, as Tyler C is. My second takeaway: Kevin's out. You know, we finally get to this rose ceremony at like what an hour into this episode. Oh, it was about nine, nine oh three. There is just no structure to this stuff whatsoever. Uh, I, I thought the you would think the rose ceremony would be an end of the episode type activity. It just it feels right, and it's it's not. I guess I guess it just happens at the beginning, the middle. It anything goes, anything goes I mean, on the show. It doesn't matter. It just, Hannah does what Hannah wants. Yeah. And, you know, ABC's on board. Uh, it, it clearly, I mean, they half the episodes of therapy session. We'll get into that, but you know, Kevin's out. 
And I'm, I'm happy about that. The other two gentlemen she kicked off, I'm not even sure I knew who they were. Shout, Kevin, out, shout out Devin and Grant. Yeah, Dev, I didn't know you either, but... Devin and Grant, huge factors, RIP. Uh, Kevin's out, though. I haven't liked him from the moment he messed up the rugby game from being hurt. I mean, it's not about you, dude. Tough it out. It's a rugby game. It's about Luke P. Spearing Luke S., Quit trying to be a hero and act like you got an injury and play that card. I mean, there's nothing worse in sports than that guy who just gets oh, he, hurt. It was a pity, Rose. He didn't do anything, but he got hurt. He's a very poor representation, I feel like, of Kevin's everywhere. I know one, and he's a good guy. Shay, your third takeaway. Golf Pro Garrett. Starting to strongly dislike Golf Pro Garrett. I mean, being good at golf is cool. It's a cool thing, and... Golf Pro Garrett is making it not cool. I'll, I'm pretty sure all he talks about is how bad of a guy Luke P is. He's that worried Luke P is going to steal his thunder that he needs to get rid of him at all costs. And, boy, is he just miserable. I mean, he ruined the night tonight. He said, this was my fault. I ruined the night. I'm like, yeah. Y- you made Hannah so upset she almost wanted to leave the show. With Luke P on this show... For Golf Pro Garrett to kind of step up, get his name out there, and ruin the night, I mean, that takes a lot. takes a lot. Shocking, really, that that Golf Pro Garrett can even be that big of a factor on the show at all. That kind of brings me to my next point. I mean, Garrett, I mean, he's so entwined with this Luke P thing. He's so worried about what Luke P's doing. Tyler C. and Peter, though, unconcerned class acts all all these house-wide arguments that are going on that hannah clearly is not a fan of i mean they're just chilling i mean they're they're smooth dudes in totally different ways and they just chill and let everybody else destroy themselves it's brilliant i'd like to see this be the finals i could go with the best of seven with peter and tyler c and really really cheer for tyler c like he was the cubs yeah i'd really those are the two i'd like the most if not i wouldn't mind seeing connor thrown in there I'm still a fan of connor but uh yeah between tyler and peter they're making a great case for winning the show oh you're a connor guy now i've been a connor guy oh, check the whatever watch the tapes that's new i think that's new i think if we review the old episode watch i think your tapes. connor thing is new check that all 22 let's uh let's stop in the middle of this to do our new cringiest moment segment shay what was the cringiest moment of this episode for you for me it was garrett's apology and to luke accepting the apology openly in front of the guys a little weird garrett you know says i was being petty i ruined this night for everybody and everyone's like you know just nodding their head like i understand understand luke p you did goes out of his way garrett i personally accept your apology because i understand that people mess up and it takes a man to step up and say when they did. And then immediately off camera, Luke P goes, 100% of the night, Garrett's fault. I was dying. Thought it was terrific, but still cringy. Uh, Luke P has chosen his identity and he sticks to it. You know, that's one thing I respect about the guy. He, he's picked his side. He's going to say something on camera and then he's going to say another thing off camera. And he's not really going to know that the camera's a factor the entire time. You got to love it. I think he knows how to play the crowd. Yeah. It, it looks like from the previews for next episode, he's going to be a factor going forward. Oh, 100%. So it's hard to say that every move he's made so far wasn't correct. He's still on the show. It is survive in He's advance. done a lot of things that many people say he kicked off for. 
here he is. And here we are. I mean, we're sitting here saying he should be kicked off, but he's surviving and advancing, and we're sitting in my room making a podcast. A good podcast. Good podcast. My cringiest moment is going to be Jonathan, an absolute non-factor in the uh, grand scheme of the show, but uses the shoot my shot reference. Classic. While Classic. holding the mini basketball. It just was not a not a move that most would go for. Yeah. Um, it was pretty, oh, what's the word? Cringy. Yeah. Uh, then he kisses her on the cheek right after using the shoot my shot reference. And it basically makes you want to go get hit by a car, you know, just for him. Not great. Probably multiple times, honestly. Yeah, Jonathan, it's crazy he's not still on the show. Yeah, very little impact on this show. Yeah, after just that great showing there. Um, my fourth takeaway is that Luke versus the rest of the house, I mean, it's just not as entertaining as one would think. You would think, you know, one guy going against an entire revolt of the the rest of the house, it would be kind of fun. And it's just not... Not enough guys are into it, I think, is the problem. Garrett and Mike... Not fans. Dylan, this this guy Dylan, still came out of nowhere. He says a word here and there, but the rest of the house really doesn't seem to care. Yeah, there's not a ton of cool guys involved in the drama. Right, yeah, 100%. Yeah, so I don't love that. Uh, this whole thing just, just takes too long. I mean, they argue for 40 minutes, and at the end of it, almost nothing happens. I mean, Hannah checks in occasionally, gets mad. I just wouldn't call it great TV. It, it seems like there's a lot of drama from the previews and kind of while you're watching it, too. But we always end up back where we started. It's just not captivating, at, at least to me. What do you think, Shay? Oh, 100%. I mean, it's just – it's weird. Like, I felt like tonight was going to be really good. The first half was just not good, you know? It wasn't a ton of excitement out of the revolt against Luke because not everyone's really in it. Yeah, I mean, if you didn't like the first half, though, I mean, what do you think of the second half? Now, you see, that's that's why at the beginning, you know, you say the first half's better because, boy, did that second half suck. Yeah, I mean, the second half was a clip frenzy therapy session. I, I, don't, I don't know if this is common. I don't know if this happens a lot, but I really hope this is the last time ever. That, that we watch this or that that goes on? That we have a clip episode in the middle of the season. Oh, I got you. I thought Not, sure you were going to say both. Oh, if we're talking like the finale or something, you want to see some of the best moments? Sure. I don't want to see it six weeks in. I mean, did they even say anything like, oh, it's halftime. Here's our clip show? No, no. Not a chance. So it was just random clip show. Big therapy session just out of the blue. I, I hate, I hate the whole thing where they're like, is Hannah going to leave? Like, no, she's not going to leave, dude. She's a bachelorette. She's getting money on this show. You think she's leaving? Dude, it, it's completely ridiculous. Shay, your fourth takeaway from this absolutely just riveting episode. Well, I was a little confused on this one. So, after the rose ceremony, the boys and Hannah head over to Latvia, and the boys are sitting around having drinks, having a good time, and then it's about 9.05, maybe 9.10, and that's the last time we see them. It, the rest of the show, like we said, is a clip session, and I don't know why. Like, I thought we were going to see some good times in Latvia. Nothing. When the episode ends, every, uh, the last three weeks, have you not just been like, what? It's over? That's yeah, but the episode and tonight the episode ended an hour in. Everything after that we've already seen. It's it's just weird how it feels way too long with the two hours, but also when it's over, we're like, I missed a lot. Nothing like, happened. Like I need nothing more. happened I need tonight. More content. Yeah. What? If you had to tell me 
in one or two sentences, what exactly happened tonight? What would you say? Kevin's off the show. That's all I got out of tonight. Kevin's off the show? and I mean, two hours? Uh, what is that? Besides Tyler and Peter solidifying their greatness in the show, you know, that's the biggest moment. Hurt shoulder, Kevin. Got the boot. I mean, you know, good. Good. I'm glad Kevin got the boot, and I'm... I'm really glad we're halfway done, I guess. You know, it could be worse. We could have eight weeks left. Shay, what's your final takeaway? Well, I want to say it was the preview for the rest of the season. I really do. It looks like there's some excitement coming. But boy, are these previews not what they seem to be. So, like we said earlier, Mr. Editor Guy, fix yourself. You're a bad guy. Not happy. Yeah, you're you're not a good guy doing this to people like us which i mean he has to know that there's some people like us that are being drastically affected by these previews Drast i mean this is our livelihood yeah and i mean we on so many of these red talk segments before we've said i can't wait for the next episode can't wait bart scott can't wait and now i'm just over it i'm not even saying that anymore because i'm like oh they, they show I really do want to but i cannot bring myself to they that. show an ambulance to make you think that guys fought and it's like kevin hurting his collarbone in a rugby game right before one episode before he gets sent off the show he has 30 lines total and it's uh, just appalling that they would do that to their Lean audience into a luke B- v luke brawl nothing they talked a little bit yeah not exactly a brawl um lucas just forfeited match and oh lucas i'm I'm not we're not talking about lucas i'm gonna i'm gonna go off yeah i mean long live the king luke p i guess i mean this guy's gonna make it to what i mean what do you think how long do you think luke p seriously gonna last on the show easy final five i'm saying there's yeah i'm I'm right there with you i'm saying there's no way he didn't make it to the final four and that right there just kills the validity maybe not though Maybe Luke P is is what women want. I mean, we don't know. My my final takeaway is this. Uh, I mean, the only entertaining part of the clip frenzy is this smeared versus smeared debate. I mean, Dylan finally makes an impact here. Shout out to Dylan. Didn't really know who he was until uh, this specific part of the episode. He's uh, going off on our guy, Luke P, who we love. And uh, he says that he smeared. Lucas, and then he corrects himself and says that he smeared Lucas. Mm, mm. Now, these words are different. Smeared is making something messy, a character assassination of sorts, which is the second form of the word he used. Smeared is what he said first to correct himself. That would be putting cream cheese on a bagel. Oh, well. Powerful stuff. I mean, that's... uh... Okay, Dylan. Yeah, another fantastic episode wrapped up by that moment. Spreading cream cheese on a bagel. That's what we took away from this episode. Pretty great. Yeah. Uh, I'll see you next week. TTYL.